everybody, this is Jimmy Smith. Today on the MMA on Sirius XM podcast, RJ Clifford and Anthony Smith speak to UFC Hall of Famer Rashad Evans to recap UFC Vegas 61 and potentially coaching Anthony for his next fight on MMA Today. Plus, Ryan McKinnell and I discuss Daniel Cormier's introduction to WWE last night on Raw for his guest referee appearance for Riddle and Seth freaking Rollins this weekend at Extreme Rules on Unlocking the Cage. UFC Hall of Famer, everyone's big brother, UFC analyst, your favorite fighter's favorite fighter, Sugar Rashad Evans in the house. How you doing? What's going on, RJ? I am blessed and highly favored man, enjoying a beautiful afternoon here in sunny South Florida. How how are you doing in South Florida? The storm passed you guys by. You're all good. Yeah, we got lucky, man. Uh, we okay. got some heavy winds. I got a tornado, but uh, the heavy rain. But that was about it, man. We we lucked out pretty good, man. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, people say like, oh, I can never live in California because of the earthquakes. It's like. I couldn't live in anywhere northern America because of the snow. I couldn't live anywhere in the south because of hurricanes. I feel like I'd rather have the earth just shake than deal with y'all motherfuckers' weather. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing, too, until I was in an earthquake in Vegas. And it changed shit. I mean, like, when the earth yeah. starts moving and you feel like you're on an animal's back, it yeah. kind of really lets you know how small you really are. I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. That, that Mother yeah. Nature's no joke in, to begin with, no matter how she's coming. Well, in all fairness, um, you were in the rarest situation of an earthquake where you were standing at a podium delivering a speech that was broadcast <laughs> and in front of thousands of people, and then the earthquake hits. Like, normally I'm just laying in bed with a beer in my hand. You're like, hey, everyone, look at me, and I'll be the one to announce, uh, is that an earthquake right now? Like, my speech shook the, shook the portal of the tectonic plates. That's how big your speech was. Well, that's, that's, that's what I was feeling, too, man. It was yeah. a, a very amazing moment. <laughs> Uh, so you were in Vegas this last weekend uh, working the desk um, for Jan versus Mackenzie Dern. And Anthony, we're talking about like, I, Anthony thinks Mackenzie Dern's on the right path. She just needs to stick to it and, and figure things out. I'm saying I think she needs a big reset. She has all this star power and, and she's just not getting it together. Where are you at with Mackenzie Dern? Is there, can she be salvaged, big changes, keep doing what she's doing? What do you think? I'm I'm with Anthony. I think she's on the right path. And, and the fact that she's not rushing herself through the process, willing mm -hmm. to take her time through the process, truly lets me know that she gets it on that level. I, I would say that she does, she made amazing progress with Perillo and, and really, you know, gave her a lot of confidence in her striking and much improved striking too. You know, before mm -hmm. it used to look like she's swatting flies, but now, you know, it, it looks a lot less like that. Um, yeah. But she still needs to work on that transitional um, transitional area of her game. I feel as if like she gets to the point where she'll strike, but then when she wants to grapple, the transition to know which uh, takedown or which grappling transition to do, she's a little bit lost. She's a little bit in the gray. And I feel like in order to really make it to the, to the next level with these next round of tough girls that she has to face, she has to be able to work on that transition and, and really get rid of that, that, that very weird, that weird middle space that she has sometimes. If you were coaching her, Rashad, where would you, if, if they just handed over the reins to you, what would you fix first? Or and, you know, and how would you do it? You know, I, I love her pressure. I think that's absolutely great. I love the fact how she loves, she thrives in chaos. And, and I think that's great as well. But I feel as if like, if she learned like what punches can actually 
lead to what clinch position that can lead to her takedowns. I feel like that's the gray area. You know, I feel like when, when I was fighting, right, I, I would I, I worked on my stand up and I got really good at my stand up. But it was only for me to understand, that, OK, if I throw a left hook, I know I got this shot. If I throw the right hand, I know I got the shot. And it, and it became automatic. So if she knows what takedowns goes off of what punches, then I feel like that is a good place to start. Like, for instance, she has a really good overhand that she throws with a lot of like she throws from hell with that that overhand. Right. You know, and mm -hmm. I feel like her body kind of falls into a weird space afterwards sometimes if she doesn't make the you know land that punch but i feel like even with the overhand right she can overhand it and even if she does miss it by a mile she can roll in to her shot or a transitional position that will put her in a position to take her opponents down and i feel like if she got with somebody like daryl christian out of san diego out of orange county who actually goes to ruka gym i feel like he'll be so good for her because She's not going to learn how to, I can't say she's not going to learn. Uh, I should say it'd be a lot harder for her to learn the takedowns where she's, you know, like a wrestler shooting underneath and getting the legs. I feel like her best bet and, and which goes with her game would be to work on the Greco part of the game. And that's mm -hmm. what Daryl Christensen, uh, Daryl Christian specialized in. Do you think she had any maybe mental lapses, you know, leading up to this point, she's always, anytime she gets into a grappling exchange, these girls run away. They do everything they can to get to get as far away from that as they can. Do you think that by Jan engaging in it a little bit instead of, you know, she ended up in the guard, fought out of a submission, and then went right into ground and pound? I don't think McKenzie's really experienced that too much where someone truly wasn't afraid of her jiu-jitsu. Do you think that, that maybe threw her off a little bit and something she's not used to feeling in the, you know, that real aggressive fight kind of situation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to think of the difference because when someone is afraid to be on the ground with you, they 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 kind of spaz out in a position, and that's where you find the openings, right? That's where you find the, the the chain grappling where she's able to find eventually the submission. But when someone's saying tight, someone's saying you know structurally sound, and then still hitting you with punches, you may see a little bit openings, but at the same time, you're so much worried about the, what's coming at you that it kind of shuts down your game in a sense. You know, that's what they say, you know, a black belt becomes a blue belt, becomes a white belt once they start getting punched. Uh, also on that card, um, Randy Brown beat Francisco Trinaldo, Hani Barcelos beat Trevin Jones, Sadiq Youssef had a great guillotine choke as a 10-to-1 favorite. Uh, Mike Davis looked pretty good against Slava Claus. Is there another performance on that card that stood out the most to you? You know, um, I really thought that... Uh, was it the, the, the fight of the night? I thought the fight of the night was a great fight between uh, who was it? Um, Daniel Santos the, and John Castaneda. Yeah, Daniel, Daniel Santos and Castaneda. I thought that um, you know Santos made man one one hell of adjustment. It, like when you're losing a fight and you're getting hit, like how mm -hmm. Santos was getting hit in the first round and almost getting finished, but then to dig deep, put it together and then come out and, and, and stopping the guy that you were about to get stopped against. I mean, that, that, that's ballsy as hell. And it just mm -hmm. kind of shows, you know, just the durability that this guy have, but it's so good to see, you know, that, that, that Aldo like kind of fighting style, you know, that tenacity, that fast hands, that, that mindset to just kind of keep going forward. I, I really like that fight a lot. So, um, Aljamain Sterling came out recently, totally switching gears here, and was asked, like, hey, do you think TJ Dillashaw is still cheating as, you know, they're preparing to defend your title against him? And he says, yes, I think so. 
And Anthony's like, yeah, he's a cheater forever. He's got that scarlet letter. Fuck him. Me, I'm like, yeah, he gave up two years of his career. He lost millions of dollars. He paid his debt to society. Where do you stand on fighters coming back after failed drug tests? How do you view them? You know, I, I think people make mistakes, man. And sometimes people do things for, for, for different reasons and really not understand, you know, the, the full impact of it when they're making that choice. And mm. sometimes these decisions stick with people that, that kind of sticks in people's mouths, leaves a nasty taste in people's mouths. So I, I can see where people are coming from with that. But I'm a person who likes to give people another chance. And truly, you know, I truly believe that people are a lot better and not as much as piece of shit as they appear sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I don't I don't think that he's cheating. I feel like, you know, you lose two two years of your your competing career when you're absolutely, you know, on top at the time. Um, it, it's kind of hard to 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 think that that wouldn't have any kind of bearing on you and how you prepare for fights and just, you know, really watching what you put in your body at that point. I mean, yeah. granted, it's not like he took a bad you know, supplements from GNC that, you know, ha had something banned in it. I mean, he, he was he was doing something pretty heavy, you know, with the EPO. Yeah. But um, I, I feel like sometimes those are the lessons that we need to learn along the way. But here, here's here's my mindset goes with it. When, when someone cheats like that, right, do they believe in themselves enough when they're not cheating? You know what I'm saying? Because there's a reason why they cheated. It, it's yeah. an insecurity thing, right? So do they have that belief in themselves when they're not cheating in order to compete at the same level. And that, you know, that remains to be seen still, even, even though he did look damn good when he fought Corey Sanhagen though. See, yeah. RJ, this is, this is why I like spending time with Rashad. Mm -hmm. He makes me a better person. Cause I just like, <laughs> I've never had an issue with TJ Dillashaw personally. I actually have had several interactions with him. I think he's a really nice guy. He's been nothing but respectful to me. I just always have a tough time uh, forgetting it. And, and, Listen, I would never say anything to him about it. I wouldn't bring it up. I wouldn't throw it in his face. But I'm always going to remember. You know what I mean? And I think that a lot of guys like me, like I wasn't born physically gifted. I wasn't a fantastic athlete, you know, coming, you know, from being a child. I, I, I've never been great at anything just on without having to work really, 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 really hard at it. So, like, I don't know, I guess for a guy that was already super gifted, was already a fantastic wrestler, like already kind of head and shoulders above everybody else to add something on top of it. it it's always bothered me when guys like that have, have used or, or gotten caught because like you're better than me already. And then you cheat like guys like me, just it's going to be tough for guys like me. Yeah. But Anthony, I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I totally hear what you're saying. And, and I mean, I mean, I, I do, I do feel that too. I do feel that too. I mean, it, it's kind of, you know, when you see the landscape and you see how people have cheated in the past and used that and gotten away with it for so long, even when you do find out that they do have cheated just that one time or got caught that one time, you can't help but think, and this is what they've been doing this whole time mm -hmm. in order to get ahead. This is just the one time they got, got caught. But, you know, I, I feel like in a situation like TJ, where where you've already missed so much time already and you're and you're closing in like because he now he's on the later half of his career i don't feel like at this point it would be something that he would think to do or even chance to do because if he mess around and get caught again his career is done four-year right. suspension yeah he'll be 40 when he comes back yeah he'd be cooked yeah <laughs> Uh, so Anthony is still recovering from that injury, right? Little time off here. Um, but he's also kind of a free agent when it comes to where he's going to train. And so Rashad, you, 
you're a guy that knows his stuff really well. Where do you think he should be training next? Is there a certain gym? Is there a certain style? Maybe an individual, you think, that can take over Anthony's training and take him where he wants to go? Well, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I think it'd be good for Anthony to go out to a few different gyms, right, and just mm-hmm. kind of feel out different kind of training partners and, and, and just kind of feel like where he's at and get different looks. But I also feel like he needs, like, a head coach at the realm, somebody he can be like, okay, making sure we're progressing in, in a way in the areas in which we want to progress in. Right. Uh, you know, I feel like, you know, if Anthony ever wanted to be like, Hey, Rashad, what you doing, man? I got a fight coming up, you know, I'll make some time for Anthony. I'll be yeah? like, yo, really? Yeah. yeah you I'll, would? Damn right You're a busy guy, yeah. Rashad. You'll make time. Wow. Listen, I would shut it down for Anthony. <laughs> Anthony said, if Anthony was like, man, look, I got this fight coming up, man. What could you give me, man? I, 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 I will give Anthony Smith some time, man. I'll be there. I'll make sure that he's he, he he's looking good, man. Because guess what? I still believe that Anthony Smith is still one of the toughest son of a bitches in 205. Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> That's the winning formula. We got it Listen, figured out, Anthony. We've talked about me and for whatever reason, we just haven't been able to work it out. But I've talked. I actually booked a trip. Like pay for the flights, book the Airbnb in Rashad, like not that far from Rashad's house to go train with Rashad. And I don't remember what happened. I don't know if the maybe the fight got moved or or yeah, something. The, the, the fight moved. the fight got moved, and then you had to go like uh, go to camp or something a little bit faster yeah. than you thought, and then have that much time in between. Yeah, so I ended up having to to change the entire. I I think I, I like I lost all my money on the on the whole trip, but so it's it's not like it's not something I want to do. That's for sure. We just gotta. Mm-hmm got to figure it out and, and get it on the books but i'm ready i need well, Rashad see, evans teaching me some I'll, shit i would love to get anthony with like a tyrone spawn you know what i'm saying or why with, would you do that to me yeah you want to get no him killed? no listen listen <laughs> listen no 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 tyrone's not gonna tyrone's not gonna be he's not he's not gonna do you like that but he'll show you he'll, he'll show you some things that'll go good with your game you know some things mm-hmm. that'll go really good with your game and and Tyrone's got an amazing eye for detail. You know, he can see somebody work and be like, all right, look, this is this is how we dissect it. And this is what we need to work on. And this is going to, you know, be the drills that we use to get them better. That's but I it. mean, I, I feel like with Anthony, you know, he's he's got a ton of experience, so much experience. And, and you know, he's he's fought some of the best people of his time. Uh, and, and at this point now, it's just a matter of just, you know, stand stand in, in a position where it's still fun right because mm-hmm. at, at this point when you've had that up and down and, you, and you've been in the career for so long it's easy for this to just become monotonous it's easy to kind of just kind of fade out mentally because it, it, it gets very redundant you know so you mm-hmm. got to be able to make it fun and you know i know he's going over there with chris wyben and those guys and a great camp over there uh but I, but i feel like you know come to south florida man come get some of this work out here it's, mm-hmm. it's some good stuff out here I'm in. I'm there. I really am, man. As soon as I'm healed up, uh, I'm ready to get back at it. We've already kind of we've been talking to the UFC just a little bit about potential dates. You know when they think I'll be ready. So when I'm when do you feel like you're going to be ready, man? Sometime in March. I think I'll be okay. good to go in March. I think I'll be good, good to go. Good in to March. fight in March or start training in March. Fight in March. Fight okay. In March. Okay. Like so- physically, I'm good. Like my ankle's healing up the way it's supposed to. Uh, I started physical therapy. I'm walking around. We're we're getting more mobile. Um, they're dealing with a little bit of a blood clot issue, but uh, they suspect that's going to heal itself up pretty, pretty quick. As soon as that's done, and I'm off all the blood thinners, I'm I'm cleared to start training. I could oh, like awesome. I could do jujitsu and, and roll around right now if I wanted to, 
they just don't yeah. want me banging my head around and and you know worried about bleeding factors and getting injured and whatever so yeah it's, ready. it's, it's not it's not a race man if i were y'all i would really just uh take your time with the recovery you know rec- mm-hmm. recovery right now is just as important if not more important than any any training you can do physically speaking right now you know i feel like at, at a certain age at a certain stand, point in your career being fresh is 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 more important than anything else you know i mean how many fights have you went to to completely hurt you know what i'm saying banged yeah. up on another level but when you're fresh and you can keep yourself fresh all your attributes shine at another level because you got the experience 100 percent. So RJ, rj's bringing people together here yeah hey look you know Rash- I, rashad knows i only take a 10 percent finder's fee and i know you're probably gonna have to pay rashad <laughs> six figures for his services so it's great for you everyone's doing great uh before we let you go rashad i'm just kind of curious um how would Alistair Overeem describe what Anthony needs to work on? Like, if you, if Anthony comes to South Florida and works with you guys, how would Overeem describe what he would be working in? And, and Alistair would be like, well, first things we need to do is, I mean, you have good striking, <laughs> but I mean, you know, your 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 hunger to wrestle is kind of. Hmm. But we need to work on just drilling in the small spaces, making sure that we um, are being efficient with our our elbows and. You know, the knees that you caught Rashad with. I need to get back to those. <laughs> you doing Overeem oh, voice in coaching is better than me spending hours researching it and saying it normal. Rashad, this was awesome. Thanks for coming on. And uh, can't wait to see you in Anthony's Corner maybe in March. Hmm? We're going to make this happen. We're going to make it happen. We are. make it happen. Beautiful. Can't wait. Thanks, Rashad. This was awesome as always. No doubt, man. Take care. Take care, Rashad. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Ryan McKinnell, thank you so much. I so appreciate you taking that first hour. Flights from uh, St. Paul aren't easy to get, and they don't get me back here in time. But now that I have you here, you're a great person to have. Why? DC, Daniel Cormier is refereeing an Extreme Rules match uh, this Saturday versus Seth frickin' Rollins and Matt Riddle. Of course, Matt Riddle, former UFC fighter, blah, 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 blah. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so there is a little bit of like a like a, a little bit of a relationship there, and also Daniel Cormier went nuts when, uh, of course, uh, Seth Rollins uh, cashed in and and won the WWE title and all this stuff. So he's seen as a Seth Rollins fan. They're playing up that a little bit. So last night on Raw, if you didn't see it, Daniel Cormier made like his video announcement that he was there. Before we get into this discussion of what does this crossover mean, is it good, da-da-da, did anybody see that That when Daniel Cormier came out? Did, was anybody watching that live? KOB, Kelly? Not Ryan, live, caught it later. Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're losing to football now, Jamie Smith. Oh, yeah, yeah. But You still win to me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and, I, I don't, and Jimmy, Shocker. I don't have bus up until Saturday, so I, I'm just sitting on the DVR, my guy. But it, Crowd. I, it, yeah, whatever. I'm not insulted, guys. My point is, crowd <laughs> didn't really pop. 
they really didn't react very much. Yeah, well, here it is right now. We can play it right now. So Daniel Cormier comes up. Now, bear in mind, I, I'm there live, so I don't know if, if maybe they turn up the crowd a little bit and it'll sound like you got a pop here. I don't think they really do, but listen to it and let's see if we can hear it. We have had to watch you two whine, argue, and complain for months. We've had enough. Your behavior has been insane, and we are tired of foolishness. From parking lots to arenas, you two have fought all around the world. And for all the people looking going, who is this guy? I'm Daniel Cormier. I am one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time. Stop it. Stop I it. I am. The- Number one, for all of you who don't know who I am, is a bad start. Number two, when he said, yeah. I'm Daniel Cormier, did you hear anything? No. Did you hear? If that had been The Rock, number one, it would have popped like crazy. I'm The Rock, <laughs> pop like crazy again. When he went, I'm Daniel Cormier, I kind of turned around. I was like, crickets. They just, re- and am I alone in this? Jimmy, they, they uh, Mike really Tyson, when he showed up to to sit yes. alongside DX in right. 1998, he he didn't need to say, I'm Iron Mike I'm, Tyson. In case you don't know who I am, you live on the moon, <laughs> right. I'm Mike Tyson. I remember when Buster Douglas did it. That's how far back I go, right? And everybody knew it was Buster Douglas. He just knocked out Mike Tyson. Number one, he had to say, for those who don't know, I'm Daniel Cormier. Number two, you heard the crowd. I know this clip starts like kind of when he comes out. When he first popped on the screen... I expected, like, I don't know, something, and the crowd just really didn't react. And right here when he goes, I'm Daniel Cormier, and this crowd shot, by the way, we're seeing it on YouTube, um, when he says, I'm Daniel Cormier, look at this crowd. They really didn't react very much. That was my, like, remember, I'm in the bubble of MMA, and I'm in the bubble of of professional wrestling. I'm in kind of two bubbles. So I don't know how often the two bubbles. That was a great indication of, WWE fans, at least the ones that were there, really didn't seem to react much. What's your reaction to that, Ryan? As as a, well, a, a, my a, first a reaction is I feel like the uh, Paul Rudd gif, where I'm like, look at us, right? And the cross section of MMA and pro wrestling <laughs> hits Fight Nation <laughs> once again. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, listen, I think when you got to introduce yourself and let everybody, in case anyone doesn't in know, case don't, even, you don't like, know. Right. I don't, I don't know if he wrote his own promo. I don't know who cleared that. I would just advise against that because you're already setting kind of a weak tone and like, I don't know, like it's, it's not the, like you said, not the best way to introduce yourself. And then at the same time, it doesn't surprise me, Jimmy, because if you take the top 20 stars in WWE, male and female, they're much more popular than any than the majority of fighters in the UFC. Now you've got your McGregor's, you've got your Francis and Ganus, you have some outliers that are highly popular. But John Jones was a question on Jeopardy like seven years ago as the who was the youngest heavy or light heavyweight champ or the youngest champion in UFC history. Then it was John Jones and no one got it. You know what I mean? These aren't like the mainstream stars sometimes, Jimmy, to your point, in the bubble that we like to think they are. So no, and and, and again, here's another thing. There sometimes isn't as much crossover in MMA and pro wrestling as some people might think. Now, I'm not saying there obviously is, as I joke about the Paul Rudd gift, but um, yeah, man, it uh, it was weird. It was weird. It was yeah. weird because Daniel Cormier, Jimmy, and you know this, one of the most accomplished fighters to ever step foot in a ring, octagon, you know, any all of the above. He, here's the issue t- to me as, as, as in, and let's speak about it in pro wrestling terms. He was a face. Right, he was kind of the good guy. He was the yep. foil to John Jones's bad guy, and he's generally kind of a likable guy in DC and RC and all this stuff. But yep. he wasn't one of the over the top 
personalities of like he was a good personality. It wasn't an overtop personality as far as combat sports goes. Number one, number two, the idea that your average and the, the expression I always use is the guy at Seven Eleven, like the guy that you know, the, hey, you're a fight guy. Oh my God, Conor McGregor versus you know Floyd Mayweather. People were asking me like at the bus stop about that fight. Right. DC is he uh, the guy at Seven Eleven? Is a huge fan and knows when DC fights every time. Uh, not necessarily. Not. It's a weird kind of mix. He's very popular, but not. Is he crossover popular? I don't know. And that's what it takes. Let, let's face it. He doesn't bring anything as far as referee credentials to this. Event. It's like there's a functional reason. I, he's, good, right? he's good at cheating. He can spot he's a cheat. <laughs> <laughs> he can lean on the towel if they're not making weight properly. He'll spot all that shit. Yeah, so don't, but, don't sell him short. <laughs> right, but the idea that the whole point of this is over-the-top eyeballs. Mike Tyson being a guest referee is just literally a stunt to get eyeballs. So the idea that you're a nice guy or you know, you're know you popular in, in MMA means something, but this isn't about real authentic credentials. So it is about the pop, and he didn't get that, right? So we and can I sit hope- here and talk about DC's credentials all day, but fans need to go crazy when they see him, and they didn't. And, and I do also yeah. wonder, just like, okay, if this is a one-off, then disregard what I'm about to say, right? But if there is something to follow up on this, maybe something happens with Brock Lesnar. They already share history. We know that they had their little in-octagon uh, tussle a few years back. But but I go back to that tussle. Daniel Cormier was, like, laughing through the whole thing. So I just, like, he really loves pro wrestling, and we love that. He's an excitable guy. But if he's going to wear that hat, and if it's going to be for any sort of, sort of prolonged period, he's going to have to check himself and uh, get get some sort of understanding of what he's doing in pro wrestling. But it is a, uh, listen, I, I think you could also, Jimmy, I'm with you. The crowd seemed tepid. They didn't seem to react as, right, you know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I would yeah. expect a crowd of a double champ when they showed up. But uh, I think you can build them, don't you? Like, you can tell people and he can become a part of a storyline. And, you know, he's got intrigue there. He's certainly accomplished. He does. And he does have the intrigue. We'll see if his personality can meld with what the WWE is trying to do. That, that's number one. Good point. Yep. Number two is the WWE. I, I get asked this, and I've been asked this like a few times, like, oh, if you had to fight somebody in the WWE or you had to train somebody in the WWE to fight, the WWE behind the scenes is more CM Punk than Brock Lesnar. Most of them, yeah, we're not talking about actual fight credentials, right? That's not, that's out the window. <laughs> Visually, I love that line. I'm sorry, that was great. <laughs> it's true. Does this guy look like he can fight? That's what the WWE is about. I, Roman Reigns can't fight. He looks like he can fight. He's just a big, muscular dude, right? He's beautiful, yes. <laughs> DC does not. Even in the MMA world, the joke was, you know, dad bod DC, but dude can fight. But visually, you put him next to Brock Lesnar and look like a man and a kid. And the WWE is all about that visual scale of this giant versus that giant. In DC, even in MMA, where skills are super important, and having a six-pack doesn't really mean much. He didn't have that. Like, he, he was almost like Kelvin Gaston. We make fun of like, oh, he got the dad bod and he's still fighting. That's a real detriment in the WWE. Can yeah. WWE fans buy Brock versus DC? In MMA, Brock be- DC beats Brock. I think he beats him handily. Every but single time. <laughs> in the WWE, where he's this big monster-looking guy, that visual doesn't work. So it's funny, what, what plays in MMA might not play in the WWE for a completely different reason. Because visually, it just doesn't line up. What do you think about that? 
I think there's absolutely a case of that. And there's prior history we can pull from Cain Velasquez. Now I know he's having some legal problems and everything that's going on right now. It's well documented, but he got brought into that Saudi show, that crown jewel show. And it was, you know, he had done some work uh, in Mexico. He thought there was some promising potential future. They were booking him with Ray Mysterio. It looked strong. And, and Jimmy, as soon as he showed up, he was gone. Same yep. champion, heavyweight champion, like, like DC was suffered from the same sort of dad bod issues, still holding it down for the round dudes. I appreciate it. Shout out Fedor Milianenko. But again, <laughs> that's recent history. We can pull from Jimmy. And he, again, what? the crowd didn't pop when he showed up either. They were like, who is that guy? Oh, also Kane beat the shit out of Brock. Yes. Smashed I mean, him. so, and they didn't care. So it's like, I, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing what this DC stuff uh, plays out. How it plays it's, out, I should say. Yeah, it's going to be. I'm not saying he, they, they, they don't have a role for him. It is impossible. And another thing um, that that kind of gives an indication of, 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 once again, where this might go. I remember working for Bellator, and Bellator used to follow TNA Wrestling on Spike. And, and our leading was TNA all the time. And what they did is they tried to intro, like, like back up Bellator's fights. To where you watch TNA, TNA's credits rolled, and you were right into Bellator. And, uh, and they always lost. I forget. The lead-in was like they used to get like a million two in viewership. And then they'd come to Bellator, and it would be like 600,000. We'd lose about half. Wow. And we need, to, we need to let them know. We need to run commercials during TNA. We need to do this during TNA. We need to, look, they're, they're wrestling fans. They just not everybody watches the shit. People act like... All those 1.2 million, if they just knew Bellator was coming, they'd stick around. <laughs> they know, guys. They know. Yep. They just don't care. And you, th- th- I think there's, a, there's an overestimation yep. of the crossover between WWE and UFC. There, there just is. That, and I, I think I, I, I think, think it could so. just be a personal taste. Like you, you, you're right. Some of these people, a lot of these people, uh, lifelong fans, right? The history of pro wrestling goes back decades, decades, a hundred years, and it's ingrained in us. So some people are just a fan of the art, but also Jimmy. And this is something you'll hear from a lot of people. Like uh, most of my my circle are fans of both. It's obviously something we bond over. But I'll run into plenty of people that just straight straight up like they don't see the art in mixed martial arts. It's just too violent. And, and pro wrestling is kind of that different escape that allows them to 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 dabble in it, but not right. have the the visceral sort of reaction in watching a cage fight. And that's the yo, know, that's the truth of it. And and, and you can't get around it. I'm not, I'm not nope. saying it doesn't work. I'm saying there are right. a lot of obstacles. Also. What, what people don't know, and I don't know who knows this and who doesn't. I know you know, but other people might not know. The referee is basically a producer in real time. The producer has an IFB in their ear. I'm sorry, the, uh, the referee has an IFB in their ear. And the producers in Gorilla are saying, okay, three minutes till this, two minutes till that. All right, here's the spot coming up. And when the referee's going one, two, he's leaning forward and going three minutes to commercial, so do what you got to do. Whatever. They are communicating stuff to the wrestlers in the ring. DC is not going to do any of that. He just doesn't know how. I mean, I'm not knocking the guy. I just take, he's not a producer. It's not what he does. No, no. We've, we've heard his broadcast. We know he answers texts while right. he's uh, doing his oh. job. Like, he'll be like, oh, I just got a text from my buddy. What, what are you doing on your phone, guy? Just... Anyway, I, to your point, that would be an obstacle. <laughs> the one time, I will admit, I'm going to say this on air. The one time I had to turn off my TV and take a walk around the block. Was when he missed Josh Emmett, Michael Johnson. He missed the knockout because he was on his phone, and he just missed it. 
And we, I had just been let we, go I, by the hey, are, we, are we setting up and a Jimmy I Smith uh, DC was, feud? I was like, click. I, my remote. <laughs> I turned around. Was, was it the artist or the broadcaster front? in you? Was it the lifelong, you know, martial arts practitioner? Oh, it was the was broadcaster was the broad- in me. Oh, okay. it was. And I went. I am taking a walk now because I don't want to fling my television. I just like walked around the block, came back, watched the rest of the fight. And yeah, it's just, it's just, so DC's not going to do those things. He's not going to do the producing stuff. Fortunately, it's Seth freaking Rollins and Matt Riddle. They could have a a gold star match in a parking lot by themselves. So you're not going to need that, but that isn't going to be there. So the interesting thing is, Obviously, who gets under his skin and when he snaps and what, what, you know, we all know the deal here. How DC handles all that stuff, the, the, the improvisational nature of being in professional wrestling, how he handles that will tell us about the future. If he's a great referee and really does spots well or whatever it is, that tells us a ton about where we're going to go in the future. Do you believe that on Saturday? 100%. I think it's a test run similar to the any sort of situation where they bring someone in. And that's why I referenced the Kane situation. You know what yeah. I mean? The, the, the Kane experiment, I should say, uh, and the way they brought him out, it didn't work. Jimmy, you can't deny that it didn't work. I think it was like yeah. two or three appearances. They pulled back on it and, and that was it. Now I do know that the WWE, I believe has shown different uh, interest in Cormier over the years and put feelers out. And, 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 and I don't know, what role that would have been for. I would imagine if it was early enough, maybe some in ring, but I don't think, I don't know, Jimmy, but you know, Daniel Cormier, he's like 42, 43 years old. He's comfortable. He's broadcasting. He's doing his thing. He's golfing on the weekends. He's shooting the shit with his buddies. So uh, I, this, this definitely feels like a tryout of sorts. They're going to see how the crowd, you know, responds to it. They're going to see how Cormier handles himself. And yeah, it could be the only time we see Daniel Cormier in the WWE, or it could be the start of something, maybe something more regular. I don't know, because, again, you can't introduce his credentials. He is one of the most accomplished mixed martial artists of all time. He does have a personality as uh, free as it might be at some points, right? Like, so, again, it's, I'm curious because, obviously, we, we operate in both sports, both businesses. And, and I love to see the crossover. I just hate it when it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's going to be interesting. Also, the schedule with WWE is a mother. And the idea that DC, I'll do this. People think that until they do the WWE and realize you're there every Monday or Friday, depending on whether you're working SmackDown or Raw. And so much of, will so-and-so be champion? Will so-and-so be champion? Yeah, oh, well, they put the belt on John Cena. John Cena's not showing up every Monday or every Friday. So right. he'll go do a one-off. And that's what I mean. It's a full commitment of time and resources. And I don't know if DC's willing to do that. What are your thoughts, man? Yeah, I'm surprised. Well, my thoughts are I'm surprised you even remembered where you were last night when you got on the show today. You I don't. <laughs> I don't. Now I, I don't. Like, I know yeah, I said it at some point. <laughs> I had somebody ask me where I am in my hotel room, and I went, uh, it took me a second. I'm in St. Paul. I was in St. Paul going, oh, I'm in St. Paul. You forget. Yeah, you forget 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that, like you said, it's a grueling schedule. It would be, if this is something that he's trying to get into as a, as a, a manager or something on the broadcasting end or just like a semi-regular figure. Uh, that is, I mean, that's something Rousey's talked about too, as we talk about crossover stars, right? Brock Lesnar, he's had a 
you know, reduced schedule since his early years in the business when he was really paving his way. It's just brutal. It's it's unforgiving. And 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 Jimmy, you know this better than anybody. You don't get nights off when you're the voice of Monday Night Raw. You yeah. kind of got to be there every Monday. So it, it's especially hard for for you know people like that. So again, I think you have uh, great insight. And again, uh, we'll see what happens with Cormier. He's a star on some level. I go back to what you pointed out when we played that video earlier to start the hour. So they have a, uh, you would agree, right? They've got initial introduction, lukewarm response, weird promo. They got a tough road ahead of them. They're going to have to really tell a story. MMA on Sirius XM is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch Unlocking the Cage weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern and MMA Today Tuesday to Thursday from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156, and on the SXM app. Sirius XM Podcasts.